Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? Hey, doing well. So let's see. We started with the cherries blooming, and then the peaches bloomed. I saw the peach starting to bloom out my 
bathroom window and the peach is almost done blooming, but the pears are blooming and all the apples are blooming and that means the crab apples are blooming too. And when I looked out the bathroom window this morning, because you might remember that when the peach tree started growing from a pit in the compost, it made the chisandra so happy that the first time it it flowered. And it is covered in flowers. Oh, marvelous. Yay. Oh, We didn't have any flowers last year. We didn't get any chisandra berries last year. But this year, if the weather holds well and even half these flowers turn into berries, we will have lots of chisandra berries. (laughs) Hee-hee-ho-ho. So it continues to be a glorious and beautiful time of the year. May Day is actually the beginning of summer. The apple Mm. blossom for us marks pretty much safety from frost. So the trees got that signal, and as my daughter said, she drove from New York City 100 miles up to here. 24 hours later, she drove back to the city, and she said as as they drove, it was like the leaves were unfurling in front of them as trees got leafier and leafier and leafier and leafier till by the time they were 100 miles south, the trees were in full leaf. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, wow. Right. The trees are no longer budding. That's it. They're out there. Photosynthesis is the name of the game. Watch it, right? Watch what's mm-hmm. happening with the green and how the green is relating to the sun. You'll learn a lot of interesting things about how you can make good use of the sun. Mm. Mm. And speaking of that, it has been so cloudy here that when the young horn arrived from Eagle Song, it was very easy to plant it because I didn't have to wait for a gray and an overcast day. It was and continued to be. Or somebody said today, hmm, I guess you could call it perfect weather. The sun is not Mm -hmm. shining and making you hot. The rain is not raining and making you wet. I said, yeah, but ooh, it's so gray. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, crab apples are beautiful and the red buds are blooming. What's blooming by you? So much is blooming. We are meeting so many things in the property that we're living on the apple trees are blooming and discovering so many apples hiding amongst the buckthorn along the property lines and around the barn i was snacking on some petals from a couple apple flowers today just to try them out and um just i I mean what so we're discovering a lot of motherwort um so much nettle um, so much that when we ordered a bunch of saplings from the university extension to plant in some of the pasture areas of the yard, 
that won't be pasture areas anymore. <laughs> and uh, that if when we go to dig and create space for the sapling and then go to replace the soil, my hands are stung from all the nettle ground cover. So I'm marking out spots in the yard and kind of letting the yard define where the patches and paths are going to be by where we're finding different plants popping up to say hello. So it's, it, it's just wow. been a playground. Yeah, a playground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a delight to allow nature to lead the dance. Mm. Blessed be. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we have to stand back and do things. Right? You want to, mm. nature wants to dance with you. It's okay for you to do things. Yeah. But, but yeah, let nature lead. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and everybody, everybody has more fun. Indeed, indeed. And there's just so much green space and canvas that, it is just a wonderful opportunity to get to know our place of being and see all of the plants and appreciate who's here and help create space around them and the areas that are already thriving. So just so many friends that I'd hope to meet and the nettle is an amazing blessing because as you know, I've been hoping to meet her for a while locally and here she is in great abundance. <laughs> Yay. How tall is your nettle? Well, so interesting. There's one area of our yard that last year we moved in around Thanksgiving and just kind of intuitively it was the area I felt called to leave um, an ancestor plate, an offering plate. And it happened to be the first area where I noticed a few little nettles. And this year that area of nettle is already knee high. And then there are other patches, many more patches that are only two to five inches tall. So quite a spread there of size. So you remember that one of the things that I've done is to choose a specific area of nettles and to cut it back to the ground every three or four weeks. Mhm. Mhm. So that I always have young, small nettle for soup. Yes, and thank you so much because that's exactly what yeah. we are doing. I've been taking out just some of those areas with some um, wooden bamboo stakes and kind of working around those areas with other things. And those are our. We're going to have a few nettle patches where we do that. The ones that are knee high are actually big enough to harvest for infusion. Yes, I just told my husband that. I said, we're gonna, we need to be drying those, right? It's time. Yeah. So, yeah. And I remember, and remember how to tie it. Remember, you remember how to tie it and no more than two tied together. But the most important thing is when you're working with something where there's a lot of it, the tendency is to harvest, 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 because there's so much of it. And then you're just too tired to do anything. Mm. 
way is to harvest for no more than 15 minutes and then go and hang up what you've harvested. Have a drink. Go back out. Harvest for another 15 minutes. Take it in and hang it up. Have another drink. Nice. Yes. That way when you get tired, you can stop cutting. Even if it's not your full 15 minutes and just hang that up and say, that's it for today. Uh-huh. It also, I think, helps when we're on homesteads where there's always 15 important things to do. And if what we think is, well, I have to devote the entire day to harvesting nettle, then it won't get done. But if we say, I can go out and harvest nettle for 15 minutes and hang it up to dry, it can fit into almost every day. I love that. I love that. Such simple wisdom, and it makes all the difference. And it makes every day so much more fun, I I think, to change it up throughout and yeah that makes a lot of sense because who wants to be exhausted and come in with piles of beautiful metal to hang <laughs> right so it's like that and that's not the energy you want in your metal no not at all no Just because of course May Day is when the fairies come out to play mm. and uh, you know as shamanic herbalists and wise women herbalists We certainly do our best to encourage the fairies to sprinkle their fairy dust on whatever we're harvesting. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So we know what the fairies like and we know where the fairies go. Fairies like joy, they like sexy. They like glitter and sparkle and color, and they like movement. Yes, and singing. The fairy fairies love singing. Yes, yes, singing. Well, singing or or sounds, sounds. You know, playing instruments, singing, humming. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Um. Yes, absolutely. And I would tell people that that it's your responsibility in this month to do these things to encourage the fairies to be around where you're working with the plants. Mm -hmm. You really have to go outside. That's what May Day is about, right? You go outside and you have a good time on May Day to encourage the fairies to come and be in all your medicines for the whole year. Mm. Love that. It's not too late. It doesn't have to be on May 1st. All right. In many countries, they do it on what, Cinco de Mayo, 5th of May. The same idea. We want veriditas. We want the greening force. We want it in our 
breath and we want it in our footsteps and we want it in our medicine. Blessed be. Blessed be. I'm so glad. Another word is just so magnificent at this time of the year, even though she's incognito. Yes. And what do we, what do we mean by that? Well, she can easily be um, kind of misidentified or mistaken for garlic mustard. She looks very different when she is short and low to the ground. Her leaves, uh, the lobes look very different, and she doesn't have a flower, so she's not so easily identifiable for me. It looks more like a maple leaf, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Because she's got mm-hmm. right those five uh, outstretched fingers on the leaf, which totally disappear from sight once it comes up into that flower stalk, which is what all the books show. So um, I've had many people, you know, when I've shown them motherwort at this time of the year, smack their heads and say, "Oh no, I just tore that out of the garden." Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, very, very pretty. So if it looks like a little maple tree and yet it's more like a mint, that's motherwort. Speaking of which, I'm so excited that we get to be with Linda Conroy tonight. Linda Conroy is a past apprentice, and we tell the apprentices very truthfully that we don't have any preconceived ideas about what their success is, their, the measure of their success. And one of the things that they're here to learn is that it's their life and it's not to be done to anybody else's standards or measures. And an apprentice who goes on to teach other apprentices and to promote herbal medicine as people's medicine and the wise woman tradition through her own teachings and through a yearly conference, which is celebrating its 10th year this year, that is a very special gift to any teacher, and that's Linda Conroy, among others. And that's who we get to talk to tonight about her herbal conference, which is, uh, yeah, going to be virtual. <clears throat> She's going to talk about the uh, silver lining and that and a variety of other things that we will uh, uh, talk about. I thwarted plan for Monica Jean and Justine and I all to show up for the 10th year anniversary, but they will be here for the Zoom on Saturday night, and that conference is this weekend. That's at 9 o'clock. Stay with us or go away and come back at 9 to hear all about it. Anybody with any questions tonight? We have seven callers that have pressed one already to let us know they would love to speak with you. And uh, with many other callers on the line, I'll remind everyone again, if you would like to speak with Susan tonight, please press one so that we know you have a question. Our first caller tonight is calling from the 608 area code. You are live from the 608. Hello, Susan. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. What's up? 
Well, I'm calling to follow up uh, with some advice you gave me about my dog and his uh, injured elbow and uh, also to ask you some more questions about that. Okay. Um, Yeah, I have a 200-pound English Mastiff. Uh, He's not overweight. That's just how big he is. Um, Right. I was going to say that. That's slender for a Mastiff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's those are big dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, um, so he has a pressure wound on his elbow, um, and you you gave me some advice about it last time I called, and you know after reviewing that call again on on the, the recording, I realized that part of my uh, que- you know my question to you may have gotten. Uh, cut off just from you know, how the audio gate uh, when you're uh, you're uh, talking back and forth. But, uh, at the time, I had it kind of bandaged up, and I was concerned about the anaerobic activity that was happening in the elbow and how that was affecting the healing. And sure enough, there was an infection there, even though the wound was closing. Um, and I, I had to come up with a solution uh, so that he would, wouldn't bother it because like, he was constantly worrying on it, like looking at too much. Uh, but I also um, had to try to keep it open so that it, it wouldn't allow bacteria to build up. And, well, it, there's a, there was a lot that went on there. But I, I did end up having to go to the vet to get antibiotics because uh, there was an infection there. They did culture it and choose an antibiotic that was appropriate to what was growing in there. Um, and once he finished the antibiotics, uh, he continued to have oozing, and the vet was concerned about that. I was, I was kind of concerned about it. But, uh, you know, um, the oozing, you know, as time went on, I started to notice um, that the elbow was kind of getting hard, and uh, there seemed to be a lot of fluid, and I gently squeezed it, and, and the, the fluid that came out was clear and a little bit blood-tinged. Uh, I'd asked the vet about that, and, and she said, well, the good news is that it doesn't appear to be infected. Um, and, I, I, you know, we came to the conclusion that it probably is hygroma fluid, which is what has been the issue with him, is um, hygroma fluid. But as that, that fluid eases out, uh, the, uh, the elbow gets more tender because the, the fluid is there the body's trying to protect the elbow, that's why the fluid builds up. Um, but obviously, we don't want the fluid there, and we want it to heal up. We want that, that hole to close up and for him to, to have uh, no opening that can get infected again. Um, so I guess part of my question is, is there a way to draw out that fluid? Is there anything you can suggest to draw out that fluid? And uh, I also know since you've recently had surgery, maybe you have some suggestions about different dressings and whatnot that I can use, maybe hydrocolloid or whatever that can help to draw the fluid out but also protect the uh, elbow from uh, infection. So that, that was, those are my basic questions so far. Thank you for your thoroughness. I have a very clear impression of what's going on from what you've told me. In general,
that draw are astringent. And astringents can be something as simple as black tea. Hmm. Yeah, black tea is very stringent. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. But I never, it never occurred to me to use it as a medicine. Right. Um, oak bark. And in this case, it's not the inner bark. It's really the bark, like if there's a oak tree that's been cut up for firewood and there's a piece of bark falling off of it. That, that brewed up is very stringent. And um, antibacterial. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, the oak bark, um, I've got some old cut-up logs in my backyard, but they are decomposing. Um, if they're real old, uh, are they still active? Is there bark? I'll take a look. If the bark's still there, it's still active because tannin um, is very resistant to change. It leaches mm-hmm. out easily in water, but it stays tannin. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see, you know, if the water turns very dark, then there's still tannin left in the bark. Like with tea, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yarrow mm-hmm. is astringent and and it's considered a vulnerary, which means it heals wounds. And it's pretty strong as an anodyne, which means it relieves pain and distress. So it's one of my favorite wound herbs. And Mm -hmm. I use it primarily as a spray because I can then get it into the wound without touching the wound. But in this Mm -hmm. case, you might want to make very strong tea or even an infusion of dried yarrow flowers, mm-hmm. the stalk and flower, if that's what you have, that you harvested, that's fine. But if you're buying it, I think what they sell is yarrow flower. Um, with a cloth, like a stained, you know, kitchen towel, soaked in that um, and wrapped around the joint and just... If you can hold it for five minutes, that's enough. Okay. There's not, it's not very hyper. There's not a lot more that you get. Like after five minutes, then you have to hold it like to get the next improvement for like 25 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So awesome. as often as he will let you do it, which is one of the reasons five minutes is a good deal, right? So you do it five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the five minutes at night mm-hmm. you'll get more from that than 15 minutes continuous okay. it's messier and I don't neglect to understand that getting yourself together and doing it can be difficult mm-hmm. so you know whatever works yeah. I didn't have time well, to squeeze I, I the would... strong Squeeze the oat straw today, so I set the jar upside down on the strainer. That squeeze itself, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Good. I talk about echinacea 
and Pokrut and Usnia and other herbal antibiotics. In Down There, my book Down There, and Stephen mm-hmm. Booner has a book by that name, Herbal Antibiotics, and I recommend it highly. I especially recommend that everyone read the history of antibiotics. Just thinking about it this morning. Antibiotics are indestructible. Every gram of antibiotics that has been made is still with us in the environment, in our water, in our soil, and our food. Mm-hmm. And people say, I don't take antibiotics. And after you read Stephen Booner's book, you don't have to say, I don't take antibiotics by prescription. I just take it with my daily meals. That's how mm-hmm. much antibiotic is in our environment now. Mm-hmm. So, that's what I would suggest in terms of herbal antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've been doing also we- uh, is... Uh, um, I've been using uh, like a saline wound wash, you know, that you can get in a can from the drugstore to wipe yep. out Sounds the alcohol. And then uh-huh. applying uh, uh, honey, you know, uh, buckwheat honey, and mm-hmm. putting uh, one of those non-stick sterile pads on there and then just uh, mm-hmm. wrapping with a, I've got like a an old men's long sleeve T-shirt that I've cut off and just you know sort of wrapped Perfect. it around his elbow. Perfect. And if that's being successful, keep doing it. If what you're saying is it's not as successful as you, then I would say switch to yarrow for a while and see what happens. Yeah, I I imagine I could do both. I could do the yarrow to, uh, you know to disinfect. And the yarrow is a disinfectant. The yarrow is an astringent. Mm-hmm. It will help close the wound. The mm-hmm. yarrow will help draw the fluid out. Honey draws fluid to itself and helps fluid to build up. You put honey on your face oh. to make your face plump and filled with fluid. Oh. Thank you. Oh, welcome. Okay. So yarrow... Yeah, that's, yes, 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 yes. So we want astringent, right, because we want to pull fluid away. We want to dehydrate the fluid out. Ah. Want the wound to close in a different way. Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. So that's, you know, and that T-shirt sounds great, you know, as a wrap. And if you and the dog could, like, snuggle up. You know, at some point, you know, if you're holding that on, you know, and have a talk, watch a movie, whatever you do, play cards. Okay. Math do is smart enough to play cards, right? They're they're way smarter than they look. (laughs) They're very smart. They are, yeah. You can probably teach a master to play, like, gin. They, you you know, people don't, they underestimate them. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wonderful. Okay, so uh, I might, I might order some yarrow from 
I don't know, whoever, Frontier, whatever. But meanwhile, I might look at my, my local health food store to see if they have any in stock just to get get them started. So. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And if, you know, and if you need to start with your tincture, you can dilute that tincture in some water and use it as a compress on the area. Mm-hmm. So all you can get is your oh. tincture. That will work. Just what I'm saying oh, is okay. dilute like dilute like four or five dropper fulls in a cup of water and then soak that T-shirt in that and wrap it around his elbow, right? Oh. Okay. Okay, so I could get him, because I have Yarrow Tincture, so I could get him started with that tonight. You can get him started with that. There okay. All right. Four or five droppers in a cup, a cup of water. water. Okay. A cup of warm water. All right. Warm water. Wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. All right. And hopefully you'll call back and keep us informed of what's happening. I certainly will do that. And thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. You're welcome. Okay. Green blessings. Okay. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And our next caller is calling in from the 207 area code. From the 207, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. I can. Thank you for taking my call. I've called you in the past before, and you re- what you said really helped me, and I appreciate your wisdom. Um, I'm calling tonight because I'm experiencing some uh, concerning symptoms, and I was wondering what you, what do you have to say about it. Um, it started about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> I was in the the first time I experienced it. I was in a jujitsu class. Um, I was exerting myself physically, um, like wrestling, and. I, my my right eye had like a shadow come over it and it was um it stayed there until you know the class was over pretty much and ever since then whenever i exert myself physically specifically when i put my head in, in movements like like uh, upside down or like stretching you know like if i was in a downward dog pose or something then that the shadow comes over my eye it's like a perfect circle. It's and it's mostly in one eye. One eye, the other eye is not so pronounced. Um, then just recently, last week, actually a couple of days ago, I was bending over. You know, it's not even that hard of a exertion in order to make it happen. I was picking up a bucket of water um, below my my feet and then dumping it out in the window, and, and it happens right within a few seconds. And so it's it's um concerning. I went to the eye doctor and she said, uh, my retina is good. Everything's fine with my eye and that I need to see my regular I am relieved to hear that. Thank you for going to the doctor and I'm so glad to hear you don't have a corneal tear or anything like that happening. Hooray. Yeah. um, But it it, it is concerning because I'm like, what is going on? Um, And it, it is, it is, I was really scared to go, but I I did finally go, and then she said everything looks okay. You just have really dry eyes, like extremely dry eyes. Um, so yeah, and the other thing is, whenever I I like to smoke cannabis occasionally, not all the time, but when I do, it's been ruining it. I, I, I as soon as I smoke, immediately it happens in this eye. Um, so it's been like making me. It, that gives me anxiety, then it ruins the whole 
the whole experience. So um, I don't know. Just I just just wondering, like, if you've ever experienced anyone that has happened, you know, anything like this has happened to them, or um, what do you think? <laughs> I have a lot of a stress and anxiety. What's What's really always most interesting to me is not the other people that are experiencing that, but you. Because I really think that our lives and the stories of our lives are coherent and meaningful. And that there's, I believe you said, a circle in your vision. Is that what you said? Yes. And this circle in your vision occurs when you exert yourself, when you put your head down, when you smoke cannabis. Yeah. So what are your associations with circles? Uh, I, what comes to mind immediately is completeness, like, oh, um, and anything with the eye is like I'm thinking, oh, you don't want to look at something. Or, uh, well, I don't think it's I, that you don't want to look at something. I think that something is calling you to look at it. And you are. You don't know what it is yet. And part of you says, um, this is a malfunction. This shouldn't be happening. So I have to remedy this. But a deeper part of you says, uh uh-uh, no, this is something special happening. This is a shamanic gift. Asking you to look in a different way. And what I get about you in this circle is that specifically the ancestors are calling you. And whether those ancestors are your personal ancestors, your origin ancestors or the kind of general ancestors that we all have, you will know better than I. Yeah, I don't really have any ancestors um, that, that I, I didn't really have like a tight relationship with like, you know, grand any grandparents at all. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it would have to be like something else. Um, we all have and, ancestors, don't we? Yeah. It's we just, wouldn't it's, be um, here without those ancestors. If we don't have a relationship with us, if we don't have a relationship with our ancestors, then we are the ones that need to remedy that since they're dead. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't right. mean that we have to seek out our personal ancestors, but it means that we, in some way or another, need to acknowledge them and be grateful to them. Okay. So an, another thing that is kind of, I think, might be related, just the past yeah. week, um, I started to feel really dizzy. And I don't, and um, like, I couldn't even stand up for a long period of time. Today, I feel much better um, because I started to take, I started to drink water and drink like echinacea tincture and uh, a few other tinctures, and I'm, I think that's helping. Maybe I was, like, dehydrated. I don't know if that's 
linked in any way, but I, I, I tend to like... definitely linked to dehydration, yes. Yeah, I, I tend to really like your... your <laughs> that's what you said last time when I uh, called you. You, like, totally changed my perspective on it to make it feel like... Make me feel like, oh, maybe it's not a bad thing. Um, and, drink less. Uh, I'm sorry? Yes, it's not a bad thing to drink a little less. Um, and drinking a lot more won't necessarily make you more hydrated. Oh, right. I was I was referring to, like, the whole issue with, with the circles in my eyes. Like, when you oh, said, oh, you know, oh, 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 last time, <laughs> I changed my whole the whole way I was looking at it, and, and you kind of did that now. Um, it's just I just wish they would go away, you know? Um, I'm not even that concerned about the dizziness cause, because today I feel much better. So I, I'm like, all right, maybe I need to drink more water, chill out with the coffee so much. I, I limited my coffee. Um, but these circles, <laughs> yeah. So if somebody wanted you to go away, what would be the best thing for them to do? Go away. Uh, they would ignore you. Would it be better and for them to? Would it be better for them to explain that they prefer you go away, and then you did that, or should they like shout at you and throw things at you and tell you how bad you are? Uh, they, it, it would be the, the the latter, I believe. Right? Like, you think you would you. be more likely to go away if somebody shouted at you? So then, I think I would, then yeah. you, so then you might want to shout at those circles and tell them to go away. Do you have access to a place out in nature where you can actually go and shout? Yes. Yes. I, I will. I will do that. I will. All right. <laughs> Meanwhile, all things with dark color that are berries are exceptionally good for the eyes, like blueberries and goji berries and cranberries and elderberries and even grapes. Okay. Start taking those more. Yeah, start you know that making sure that you're that you're eating more of those little darkly colored fruits. All right, thank you so much, Susan. Right. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, we have seven callers who have pressed one to let us know they have a question. And the next caller is calling from the 303 area code. You are live on the air with Susan in the 303. Yes, hello? Yes, hello. Hello. Oh, hi, Susan. I wasn't sure if it was me. Um, but uh, hello, my name is Isabel. Uh, Joris, and I'm calling on behalf of Eduardo Gutierrez, who is here. Say hi. Hi, hola. Hi. <laughs> um, hi. He, he's Mexican, 
and he speaks a little bit of English, but he needs a little help um, from my part. For helping you. Yes. Yes. Um, he has, since 17 years, a thing on his scalp, under his hair, on his, uh, on his head, and also a little bit by his mustache and and a little barb, I don't know how to say in English. Um, and uh, he was very badly treated all these years, uh, had three uh, dermatologists, and uh, finally I took him to my functional doctor, and it was so bad at that stage that he had no more hair. He had pus everywhere, he had crusts everywhere, and he was suffering. It was a nightmare. So what the, the functional doctor did, is to he found out he had fungi and an infection, so he first wanted to treat him with a antibiotic called doxycycline. Doxycycline, and he took two times a day, and that we started last year, correct, uh, Eduardo? Yes. And then uh, now he's only at one per day, and the anti-fungi medication uh, really gave him anxiety, more anxiety than he had. So he stopped this six or seven months ago. Um, so now he has hair, uh, he looks healthy, and he still is on the antibiotics and has a bit of, it's like a little bit keloid type. When I put my hand on his head, it's like little little bumps under his uh, skin, and they're not, they don't have any pus. Huh? Eduardo, you don't have any pus. No tienes pus, no mas. Infection. No. Pero sientes la bolita. Yeah. So he, he, he sees those little things and he's afraid to um, go down with the antibiotic, to stop the antibiotic, but he really wants to. I mean, we all want it for him. Uh, what he says that is interesting. So the doctor said it's maybe he's, what, what the diagnostic was Tinae Barbae, like kind of folliculitis. He also used the name keloid acne. And what he noticed, Eduardo, very honestly, he said, I think it's related to uh, maybe anxiety. Because when he went to see his grandparents 15 years ago to try to find a medication against it in Mexico and to talk with his grandma, um, uh, he noticed after two weeks it had disappeared. So he, he does share that this new life in United States. He has a big family, has six children. I mean, he's going to have six children. He has five now. It's a lot of stress. Um, so, but so we, we would like, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about what you write. I have all your books and I hope I can follow your training as soon as I'm finished, move to, U to Switzerland from United States. And that is going to happen this summer. But um, in the meantime, I would like to help him to see what, uh, how we could, um, Help him with plants, something that plants. Well, you know what I'm going to suggest is not quite plants. What <laughs> I'm going to suggest is a ointment that you have to buy, and it's called bag balm. Bag balm. B a l m. Bag balm. B-A-L-M, Pag Balm. It was originally formulated for the udders of cows. Ah. Which get kind of the same thing. 
They get kind of lumpy and bumpy. They what? Bag, they get kind of lumpy and bumpy. They're bags. They're oh, others. Yeah. Bag, oh. balm, right? Oh, I see. Oh, right. Bag, balm. Right, so it's a okay. balm to the cow's bag, to the cow's okay. udder. Yeah, right? great. And great. it's based on sulfur. Oh. And what sulfur will do, if there is any organism, whether it's a fungus or a mite or a bacteria, the sulfur is going to kill it. Oh, great. Okay. It doesn't smell highly attractive. This is not going to make him (laughs) the star of the ball. It's a good idea maybe to do it before he goes to sleep and to protect his pillowcase. So if his pillowcase does not smell like sulfur, mm, sulfur, yes, rotten eggs, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, he'll, he'll do okay. anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. And they put other stuff in the bag balm so that it's not like totally rotten eggs, but so mm-hmm. it's not like, like it's not noxious. But it's not, mm-hmm. you wouldn't put it on and say, well, that's a great smell. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. And so he's... Okay. he's <laughs> now, I get bag balm. I get bag balm at the feed store. Yeah. Feed store. I have, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on a farm, so I know exactly where to find that. You know exactly what I mean. Okay. It comes in a square tin that's green with a cow on it. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Does he have to, to cut his hair very short, or does he put it uh, on his no. hair, or how do that? No, he can, no, he can just, you know, rub it in and, okay. get, you know, see what happens. Okay. If he, okay, I'll, if he I'll decides, see. oh, maybe this will work better if my hair is short, then he could. But let him just give it a try mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. See what happens with it. Yes, and we'll keep you posted. Okay, fantastic. Sounds good um, to me. I, Thank you, Isabel. I am going to. Um, I have. I'm having the son with me, who is covered with acne in his face. Covered. It's red, red, and red, dark red. And I was wondering if I could uh, talk about the son, or if I should call next week. Let me give you a couple of things that might be helpful. Yes. Clay and yarrow tincture. And yarrow tincture. Right. The lighter the color of the clay, Mm -hmm. I think the more effective it is because it it will be drying. Clay is, we've been talking about astringents tonight, and clay is super astringent. And I like to mix the clay with some warm water to the consistency of cream. It can be heavy cream if you want it to be, so that it can be put on the entire face and so that it dries pretty rapidly. Okay. The idea is that it should be dry within no more than 10 minutes. And better okay. yet, if it's totally dry in five minutes. So a thin layer that dries quickly is best. Okay. And that Fantastic. can then be removed with warm water 
followed by the application of witch hazel and just witch hazel. Be sure that what you're buying is pure witch hazel and there's nothing else in it. No aloe, no roses, just witch hazel. And be dissolute witch hazel with alcohol in it, but just that. And then the last step is to spray yarrow tincture all over the parts of the skin that have acne. Fantastic. We'll try that. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And our next caller uh, who has pressed one with a question is calling in from the 215 area code. From the 215, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Mary. Um, Last time we talked, we talked about Uva Ursi. Um, Tonight, I have more of a general question. Um, I came upon some willow bark this past weekend, and really, I just wanted to know what I can do with it. Willow bark is considered the aspirin of the herbal world. I had a advertisement from an old National Geographic, oh goodness, 75 years ago, in which there's a doctor in a white coat seated at his desk with books behind him, and his nurse is holding the telephone out to him. And the bubble above him says, take the bark of two willows and call me in the morning. And the headline (laughs) underneath says, aren't you glad there's drugs? (laughs) So do you strip the bark and and use um, hot water, the menstruum, like drink it as a tea? You can certainly do that, except for oak bark. When herbalists talk about bark, we're lying. What we really mean is the inner bark. Now, on the small part of a tree, there will only be inner bark, right? The outer bark Mm -hmm. will just be like thin coloring or like a little coat of paint. So you don't need to separate Mm -hmm. that off. So yes, it's not the wood of it, but the the bark. Right. I mm-hmm. also, depending on the state of the willow that you that you have, um, I also have had teachers who use the green parts of the willow, the leaves, and especially the buds. Yeah, they were flowering. What do you use that for? You can make a tincture of it. You can make a vinegar of it. Both of them are used for pain relief in the same way that okay. aspirin is used. The vinegar uh, tablespoon is supposed to be the equivalent of an aspirin. But while it's the equivalent of an aspirin in its anti-inflammatory abilities and its anodyne, its pain-killing abilities, it doesn't interfere with the COX pathways, and so it doesn't cause bleeding like aspirin does. Mm. Interestingly enough, pretty much the same compound is in aspirin and willow. Willow is salix. And one of the compounds found in willow is salicin. Mm. 
and aspirin is acetosalicylic acid. Acetic acid, of course, is vinegar. So salicin and acetic acid is acetosalicylic acid. Cool. And how, how long is do it you... It? Yeah. And how if you're going to make the bark as a tea, how long do you steep that? Most people make a decoction of it. So they put a small amount of bark in a fairly small amount of water, like a couple of teaspoons to a couple of tablespoons full and a couple of cups of water, mm-hmm. and bring it up to a boil and boil it down until you have a cup or less of liquid if you started with two. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I stopped, great. I stopped, I stopped making decoctions because I always managed to burn them. So that's why I use infusions because, okay, I only have to boil the water and pour it over the jug, and then I don't have to think about it anymore, the decoction I had to keep thinking about for for too long, and something always happened at just the wrong moment. So I've had better luck when I do them on my wood stove. Got it. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right. At this time, we have four callers that have pressed one to let us know that they have a question. And the next caller is calling from the 713 area code. From the 713, you're live with Susan. Hi, Susan. My name's Mary, and I'm calling from Houston, Texas. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's everything in Houston? Uh, well, we've had some good weather today, so it's been a nice sunny day and very spirit lifting. Um, uh, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm calling about, I want to ask some questions about uh, Brahmi or the, if I'm going to say this right, Bacopa Monier. Um, I'm struggling with some mental clarity issues, the um, brain fog, dopamine, feels like dopamine levels, and I've read that this can help with that. And I just wanted to get some information about what you know about the, this plant and can I just treat it like any other herb to make an infusion? Um, just basically, how would I use it to? Tell me again what herb you're talking about, please. When I look it up, it's called Brahmi or water hyssop. Brahmi, B-R-A-H-M-I. It's also called Bacopa, B-A-C-O-P-A, and then M-O-N-N-I-E-R-I. <laughs> it's certainly not something um, that I'm familiar with. Where did you hear about it? Uh, Googling on the internet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I think Rosemary Gladstone uh, uses... Let me ask you this first. Purpose. Have you had a test for Lyme? No, but this has been kind of like a lifelong thing for me. It's not something that sudden. So what do you mean or, brain fog? And if it's been a lifelong thing, could you explain maybe a little uh, more to me? Well, the best way I can describe it is it's difficulty focusing, difficulty memory, retaining things in mind, having to, um, like, read something over and over again to get the facts in my head, like I'm trying to stuff the facts into my brain. And from some of the stuff that I've been reading about, it could be a um, an issue with my dopamine production. I wanted to try some things and to see if that makes a difference. And this plant uh, was one of the things that was listed as being able to help with amine levels. I have so many thoughts going through my mind. I'm not sure where to start. But let's start here. One of the things that... I strongly prefer in herbal medicine is for people to use plants that are local to them. I like people to use plants that are local to them because then they can be pretty sure that they're actually getting the plant and the part of the plant that they have in mind. Um, it certainly haunts me that in Germany where herbal medicine is legalized and regulated, the legal um, regulated uh, person got the wrong part of kava kava, which was made into a pill and was given to people. And um, I think five or six people had to have liver transplants because of that. Oh, no. Yeah, so I I don't personally like it when people take any herb of any kind in a pill or a capsule. And I don't like it very much at all when people take herbs that – grow far around them and can't be brought into cultivation around them. My Shisandra vine, Shisandra is certainly an herb from far away, but it's become a local herb because I planted a Shisandra vine and because anybody can. So I, it's not that you're like restricted to only the things that grow around you, but what could grow around you and how much care would it take and what are you going to get from that? So there's that about what you're proposing, is that I think you're proposing, you know, maybe to buy it um, as a pill. Is it available as a loose herb? Loose herb, and Mountain Rose Herb carries it. Mountain Rose has it. Okay, so you can get it uh, in that. And have you looked up the constituents of it? Pardon? Have you looked up the constituents of it? I make infusions with herbs that are rich in protein, herbs that are rich in vitamins, and herbs that are rich in minerals, or herbs that are rich in a particularly helpful thing like polyphenols or anthocyanins. I think, from what you're saying, is that you're looking at this plant more like a drug. I want a drug that's going to change the hormone levels in my brain. No, I'm not necessarily looking at this as a drug. I'm looking at it as a. Then food. why don't you just why don't you just do it? Why do we even need an herb? 
Why don't you just change the dopamine levels in your brain? It's one of the, I mean, brain chemicals are so easy. They're so easy I mean, to I, change. Well, I haven't found it that easy to change. I um, Have you asked I, your brain what's going on? Um, no, I haven't asked my brain specifically, but I have asked my body. Well, I think you need to ask your brain. I take the viewpoint that what is happening is right. If it's not life-threatening. I suspect that if I were to ask you for... Do you sound like somebody who might have grandchildren? Do you have grandchildren? Yes, I do. If okay. I were to ask you for, for the names and the birth dates of your grandchildren, you, would you be able to tell me? Um, with a little bit of thinking, yes. My name, yeah. the names are birth dates. I have to think a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but you'd be, you'd be able to come up with it. So you do have a pretty good memory. Um, what I find very often is that we ask ourselves to do things that for some reason we think we ought to, but we really don't want to. And then we're like kind of <clears throat> being both the parent and the kid at the same time. Kind of trying to push ourselves to do something and like digging in our heels and not doing it. So, what did we do in school when we really had to remember things? We made silly rhymes around about them. Roy G. Biv, right? Yeah. And one of my favorites, the Ramble Twins crave liverish scaly scorpions or good waterfish, which is all the signs of the zodiac in order. Okay. So there are many ways to remember. And not all kinds of memory are the same. It's okay to not be absolutely the best in everything. Oh, well, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be the best. Okay, all right. I, I, well, that's why I asked you about what is the brain fog, and you said that you can't remember things that when you're trying to learn things. So that's well, that's the impression that I have, and I, maybe I got the yeah. wrong impression. No, it's, well, it's new things, and it's making sure I can maintain a level of, it's also a kind of energy. So when my mind is not um, I, I'm just functioning, being able to recall, being able to stay focused, when it's not doing well, mm-hmm. my body also is not doing well. It's not energized. So there's that dopamine to, I, I'm thinking it's adrenaline, thyroid, somewhere in there, those things. So you, I, you are drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, I do oat straw, red clover, linden, nettle. I do all of those. Okay. Um It would be very far-fetched if there was a problem with your adrenals, unless you're under a huge amount of stress. Um, You're making a daily commute of an hour or more on a busy thruway, and you have both sick children and sick parents. 
Well, let me put it this way. If I don't do things to what I call manage or protect my energy, I will fall asleep several times during the day. It's, it's kind of like it comes over me like a like I've taken something to make me sleep. And I can just feel it closing in. And there, no matter how much walking or jumping or other things I do, as soon as I <clears throat> am still, I, it comes right back. So I can have a, a few good hours, and then this settles back. Then this can come in. <clears throat> and so, if you take a nap, if you take a nap, then if you go to sleep, then how long do you, are you asleep? It can be hours. It can be thirty minutes. It just it just depends. It's just whatever is going. On. I don't know what my body's doing at that time. And the herbal infusion does your, does your lifestyle accommodate that? Well, right now I have been laid off, and I'm struggling to straighten what I would consider get um, sort this out so that I have enough good hours, contiguous good hours, energized, that I can actually work full-time. So from what I'm... So you're drinking about a quarter of infusion a day. You're eating a broad diet of well-cooked foods. Yes. And... You generally go to sleep at a regular time and get up at a regular time. No. If I happen to fall asleep at like 8 o'clock at night, then if I wake up at 10 or 11, then I'm up for several hours. And if I get tired again at 5, then I... You know, I'm back asleep, so it's just kind of there's no consistency in time as to when I'm asleep and when I'm awake. That's why I'm trying to work on this dopamine to adrenaline type thing. And so I wanted to try this. I think your self-diagnosis about the hormone. I think your self-diagnosis about the hormones is not helping you. Let's see if we can really, you know, hear what's actually going on. Um, because it's a little brow furrowing. I'm wondering what's, what's being said here, what's being signaled here, what's being asked of you. It's certainly athwart what you want. What you want is a normal schedule. You want to go to sleep at a certain time and wake up at a certain time and be able to go out to work or at the very least to have enough contiguous hours to yourself to work from home and to do productive work. And right now that is being interfered with because you fall asleep at erratic times. Yes. I'm not quite understanding um, what you're saying 
about trying to fend it off, but I think that what you're saying is, say you've only been awake for a couple of hours and you feel like sleep is coming over you, and you go for a walk to try to stay awake, or you jump up and down, and that might work for a certain amount of time, but then eventually you actually do fall asleep. Yeah. Let's try this. Get yourself some sleep remedies. Where do you live? In Houston, Texas. In Houston. You told me in Houston, right. Okay. Valerian is easy to get. Skullcap, I think, might grow as far south as Houston. Um, Passionflower, Passiflorus, certainly grows in Texas. Get more than one, get two or three or more remedies for sleep. And the next time you feel sleepy at a time that you would like to be your usual bedtime, take three to five drops of any one of those go-to-sleep remedies. Okay. And if you go right to sleep, good. If you wake up, or if you don't go right to sleep, take some more of the, of the one remedy that you've chosen. And you'll know which one because they'll have been with you for a little while. You'll have looked at them and felt them. You might have even tasted them. And every time you wake up, you're going to take more of that remedy. Okay. And create that pattern that you want, which is to go to bed at a certain time and get up at a certain time. There's nothing wrong with what's happening, except that it doesn't work for you. You want to have a continuous time of sleeping and a continuous time of being awake. And the only way to get that is to create that. Babies don't do that normally, do they? No. But we train them to, don't we? Well, but they also build that themselves. I'm sorry? They also build that themselves in the sense that when they they stretch their awake times longer and they stretch their sleep times longer. They can naturally, yes. they naturally do yes. that. Yes, and that's, so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm suggesting for you too. Okay, I will try that. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I think there's nothing, nothing inherently wrong that we have to worry about here, but... There's something you want, and I think it's well within your reach, but I really don't think it has to do with hormones. I think you're okay with all of that. And for dopamine, what I would say is make a list of 10 things that really please you and commit to doing at least one of them every day, okay? Okay. I will That'll do build that. dopamine levels really fast. Have you tried that and it failed? Um, well, there are times when I'm really want to do something that then this sleep feeling asleep and time should be a very easy thing to do like on my list is pet the cat look at a beautiful flower 
easy things to do, not big big things, little easy oh. things that we can do, right, that really okay. bring us joy. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. Green blessings. Uh, Good night. Green blessings. You too. Thank you. All right. At this time, we have about 13 minutes before our guest is with us, and we have four callers on the line that have pressed one. Uh, the next caller is calling from the 401 area. In the 401, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. I'm uh, Hi. calling. <laughs> I'm calling with an I question. I was excited to hear that other person call because I wasn't sure I was going to get in the queue, but. Um, I do have a, a, a corneal tear or cornea abrasion, they said. Um, <clears throat> so I did go to the doctor. What, ha- what had happened was my puppy scratched me right in the eye first thing in the morning. And um, so when I went to the doctor, they just gave me um, an antibiotic drop that I didn't start yet because um, I wanted to call in. I did try to look in your books about a chickweed uh, poultice, but I don't really have any. Ch- what I saw for chickweed coming up at my house was like very hairy, and I wasn't sure if I should put that on my eye um, or what you would recommend. Not usually the one that's used for medicine, that hairy one, you're right. Okay. That's the um, mouse ear chickweed. We want the stellarium yeah. meat, smooth one. Right. Um, so not having that on hand, I did have, um, I kind of crushed up some. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, the one for bee sting, plantain. I, um, I did plantain. Crushing up. Yeah, I did try some plantain because I, I thought that might be helpful too, but um, then felt like I had sand in there, so I don't know if it's just that it's mm-hmm. aggravated. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So usually that kind of scratch is going to feel like just sand in your eye, and especially whenever you blink, it's going to hurt. Yeah. And the antibiotic, I believe, I'm going to ask the doctor to make sure, is to prevent infection, which, ha-ha, it doesn't do. Okay. Right? Antibiotics don't prevent infection. They treat infection. Mm-hmm. So unless that doctor right. actually told you there's an infection there, I don't think that the antibiotic is called for. What is called for is what I call hysterical hygiene. Make sure your eye is clean, clean, clean. Don't, you know, be putting your hand Molting. in nasty places and then rubbing your eye. Right, right. I do work right, outside, right, right. but, no. you know, I right. did get a patch. Just, you know, and if what you have to do is patch your eyes to protect it, do that. Right, right. Okay. Right? Um, and just... So that, so that you know, because I know working outside, it's really easy to pull something out of the ground and bam, a little bit of dirt gets in my eye. Right, right. Happens all the time. So a, pa- yeah. a patch over your eye to help it heal. Um, mm. One of the kind of strange remedies that I have tried that worked very successfully for me was celandine. Mm, and that's the greater? Celandine. Chelidonia magus, okay. right, the, the major one, the one that's flowering right now with yellow flowers and has a mm-hmm. yellow sap that turns orange. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of that thrown into a blender with enough milk 
to just, you know, macerate it down and then strained very, very well so there's no plant matter. And that used mm-hmm. either in the eye or as a compress on the eye. Oh, so even as a drop or as a compress? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When okay. I put it in my eye, it really stung. And I thought, that's it, you blinded yourself. But my corneal scratch went away in like two hours. And what is the, I mean, I, I didn't realize, I've only thought of uh, celandine for uh, warts, you know, the, the latex on a wart. So what is the yeah, mechanism it's used, of that? It's used in deep Europe as an anti-cancer remedy. Okay. That okay. yellow, the orange sap is a real giveaway of immune system activity. Okay. It's supposed to dissolve cataracts. I had one student who oh. tried it on a cat with cataracts, and she said she thought it worked. Okay. But that's yeah. not a very so controlled say, experiment. So, again, yeah. it, it burned when I put it in my eye, and I used milk with it, to, you know, okay. and that moderated. Um, so, say, like a hand. A hand and it has to be fresh. It can't, can't be the dried right. stuff. Um, okay. And, you know, and if it doesn't, you know, I just did it once. It's not like okay. I did it over and over. Mm. And, and if I, I am doing you know, it, it says, first as I thought, ah, oh, that's it. You've really screwed up on this one. But then, I had, mm. as I said, very good yeah. results. Yeah. Okay. All right. And if I don't, I'm going to look. I think um, my grandmother's house has some celandine, um, so I can check there, but I won't get there for a couple of days. Otherwise, just give it time and keep it protected until I can yes. get, to, yes. get to the celandine. Exactly. Yeah. And what I would plant- say is if you want to if you want to put plantain on it, take a whole plantain leaf and mm-hmm. put it over your eye under the patch. Okay. That's kind of what I did with I I usually when I put it on like a skin wound, I usually kind of bite down on it to break the cell wall. Walls does that matter or it will get in there? Well, I think you have a misapprehension about the size of cells. Maybe so. <laughs> right, that makes sense. It's going to get in there. Right. right. You're not breaking any cell walls by biting that. Okay. I guess, or maybe, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You know, um, a, printed, so it... a printed period would contain about <laughs> a thousand cells in a plantain leaf. Yes, you're right. I've, I've, and they're as hard I've as marbles. That. How many do you think you're breaking? <laughs> <laughs> can drive over it without breaking any cell walls. Right. So do I need right. to crush it up at there all? Were answer, there were We yeah. had ancestors who tried that kind of chewing stuff, and they had jaws mm, twice as big as ours, and they died out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So I can just take I, it fresh. I think we got this covered, and let me see if I can talk to one more person before. Yeah. It's Thank time, you so Linda, much. Okay. Dream Thank blessings. you so much. Dream blessings. Bye-bye. All right, and our next caller is calling from the 630 area code from the 630. You are live with Susan. Hey, Susan, how are you? Well, you? Very well. I'm okay. <laughs> um, I'm calling you about an issue I'm having. Um, I'll try to make it quick, although it's a very complicated story. Um, basically, I've never had issues in my, I guess, vagina or down there. Um, I have your book, actually, and I've been looking through it. But um, 
a few months ago, I had an experience where I have a new boyfriend, and um, we had intercourse, and we were tested um, for all the STDs, and nothing was there before we had sex, but um, actually the first time we used a condom, but I was in his house, and he has cats and dogs, and I'm extremely allergic. And after that one incident, I had this crazy allergic reaction, um, and also things in my vagina started just becoming very strange. I got a UTI, I got a yeast infection, and although those have gone, I'm still feeling uh, very sensitive down there, and I'm feeling some pain during intercourse and itching, and I just don't know what's happening. Um, I looked in your book, and I see things like vaginal dryness, nonspecific vaginitis, vaginal itching burning, and I kind of have all of that in weird periods of time. Um, and I'm just wondering what you would recommend, because I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with how many different herbs there are, and um, I'm also considering potentially suppositories, um, and I just wanted to get your advice. You say that you're allergic to dogs and cats. Yes. And that you were at a house where there are both dogs and cats. Yes, I was at his house. Um, he has mm-hmm. dogs and cats. Yeah. And so you think that it's quite probable that your immune system got pretty up in arms about the dog and cat dander there. It freaked out. And then afterwards, many weeks after... I, we yes. tried everything, but we made many mistakes, which got me re-exposed many times. I'm sure I'm not exactly sure what you mean. Um, like for example, he tried to take me to an Airbnb where we could spend some time, and we found out later there were cats and dogs there too, and we didn't know. I so understand. I you tried meeting at his house rather than your house. Or a neutral place, but the neutral place turned out not to be neutral, that there were actually cats and dogs there. So I would Mm -hmm. like it very much if you could call back at another time so we could talk for a longer amount of time. But let's talk about this. The things that people are allergic to, you say cats and dogs, but really it's the dander, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is a protein that sheds the animals. And people are allergic to... Basically, pollen, which is protein, and eggs, which is protein, and milk, which is protein, and shellfish, which is protein, and peanuts, which are protein. And protein is the building block of life. So Mm. one question we can always ask ourselves when we have an allergy is, how does it work for me to be allergic to life? does it work for me to fight against life? No, it's Many terrible. Many times the answer, it's not terrible. It's simply what's going on, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, many times it turns out to be a fight between what I call the soul force and the life force. The life force which inhabits the body and comes only with the body and to exist and so forth, which is there before, during, and after. 
And the life force wants very much to accept all of life, but the soul force might actually be shut down around certain aspects of life that finds too messy or too gross. Mm. Life is be messy. And when you're relationship went from, shall we say, dry to wet, which makes it messier, it became a problem. When there was some protection, when there was a condom, which keeps it drier, keeps it less messy. And we're not trying to find out what's wrong with ourselves. We're trying to find out how we work so that we feel like we have more choice. Because I don't hear you feeling like you have a lot of choice. And I'd like to see you have more choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel very meanwhile, are you Meanwhile, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? I'm drinking nettle, but I haven't been drinking other ones as much. All right. Well, nettle is an excellent one, and you might want to add some linden, because linden is a wonderful Mm anti-inflammatory. So, don't just be a a one-note girl. Switch up your nettle with some linden. The others all have lots of things to to offer as aids, but if you want to just, you know, switch off nettle and linden, that's a good thing to do, too. And what do you need to feel safe enough to allow a little more of the mess and the chaos of life in? Um, I feel I need to honestly be in a committed relationship and have kids. (laughs) Yeah. Kids, very messy. That's an important thing to know about yourself. And it's time to welcome Linda. So I shall say green blessings to you. Green blessings, thank you. Hey, Sarah Ellen. Yeah, hi. All right. Linda Conroy is a wise woman a bioregional herbalist, a wild and whole food aficionado, and a community organizer. She is the founder of Moonwise Herbs, the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, and Mycelium Mysteries of Women's Mushroom 
gathering. She lives at her homestead in southern Wisconsin with the plants, mushrooms, ducks, chickens, rabbits, honeybees, great Pyrenees, and the familiar felines. Linda Conroy teaches classes and runs apprenticeship programs based on the wise woman tradition. I love you, Linda. Thanks for being here and talking to us tonight. I love you, too, Susan. I'm so glad to be here, and it's wonderful to hear your voice. And yours, how is everything at your farmstead? It is um, burgeoning, I should say. (laughs) Everything is blooming. Well, not everything, but the plants are just bursting out of the ground. The critters are happy. It's getting warmer. Um, It's all really good. Um, I would only complain I could have, I'd like a little more rain would would be my only request of the universe. <laughs> All right. Request considered. <laughs> More <laughs> rain. Especially yeah. especially since the conference is virtual and it doesn't matter if it rains or not. Right. <laughs> Normally I would be thinking, don't rain, don't rain. But no, actually right. I'd love for it to rain because people would be more engaged with the virtual conference. Right. Exactly. Oh, if it's not nice, if it's nice outside, they'll be out in their gardens. If it's raining, they'll be inside at the virtual conference, which I will be teaching at as well as a whole host of wonderful luminary people. Eagle Song, I was thinking about Eagle Song sending me a, a hawthorn tree and just all kinds of. Uh, I so want to be there. I know you wanted for us to be there. But you did, in fact, decide for a virtual conference. Were you able to find any silver lining? We do have silver linings. And, you know, I think that that's been my experience all year is the things that, um, you know, there were things that I felt some sadness about not being able to happen and then there are silver linings. And with the conference, we've been able to invite international speakers that typically wouldn't be able to be with us. So um, one of our featured keynote speakers is Vandana Shiva from India. And super excited about being with her. And Henriette Kraus from Finland will be with us. And even though she's come to the conference in the past, she probably wouldn't have come this year, but Isla Burgess will be teaching. So it's pretty delightful that we were able to have those women join us. That certainly makes it easier to be international that we're all at our homes, not bringing our bodies together. But I long for the day when we can again have real, real conferences. Mm. I know that I know that Artemis is an important goddess at your conferences, at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, and perhaps also at the Mycelium Mysteries. Could you talk a little bit about Artemis and her namesake, Artemisia? Yes, um, we. It's interesting because I have 
you know, the conference, so the conference is happening next weekend. I don't think we officially said that. Um, and it's our 10th anniversary conference. And, you know, as you said, of course, there is a part of me that's longing to have our 10th conference in person. And, you know, once I'm able to grieve that, I'm able to move into enjoying what we're, what we have put together. And bringing in plant allies over the years has been part of the conference process and still is. We, you know, bring an ally that will support the whole community. I know, you know, in the, you know, wise woman tradition and the work that I did with you and with other teachers, we, you know, choose plant allies for our personal work. And we always choose a plant ally for the actual conference in the container. And so one year, there were a whole bunch of reasons why we actually chose um, Artemisia as our plant ally. And it was really intriguing that women were coming from all over the country, and Iowa came from New Zealand. And everybody, after we had chosen the plant ally, people who didn't even know we chose it were showing up with that plant, either in dried form or, um, you know, even somebody brought a potted plant. And it was just really intriguing that this plant um, was coming into the conference in this way because most of the time we would choose a plant ally that was actually growing on site and this plant wasn't growing on site. It was unusual for us to choose a plant that wasn't growing on site, but we did for, like I said, a bunch of reasons. And it was so intriguing because that it felt like the plant was running the conference. It was really amazing. And that the goddess uh, Artemis was also holding the container and kind of whispering things in our ears over the weekend. And I had some concerns because we had some building issues. And, you know, with a conference, there's always background stuff that even sometimes the participants don't know about. <laughs> and I remember saying to Iowa, I said, oh, I'm so worried about these things. And I said, don't worry, Artemisia is running the conference and she won't let anything, um, you know, bad happen. And it was so amazing because it, I really felt that. I felt her holding the container and felt what it was like for a plant to actually hold the container for a whole group, not just one person. It was really amazing to have what I, you know, consider an elder there um, helping us hold the space. And so that plant now is our is our lifelong plant ally, so we'll always have her present. And then we have invited um, other plants in for the actual year that we're working with. And we actually met earlier tonight and chose Violet for this year's conference. Artemisia is not merely a plant, but an entire genus of plants, yeah. including wormwood and sagebrush and, and tarragon. Um, tarragon, one of my favorites, Lass's Love, and of course the one that grows all over the place, Artemisia vulgaris, and the common... 
Mugwort, or Cronewort, as she likes to be called, and Artemisia annua, sweet Annie, so many different kinds of Artemisia, from from sweet Annie, little girl, <laughs> to Cronewort, <clears throat> watch out, she'll take over your mint patch and there won't be any mint left. And Artemisia vulgaris is specifically our plant ally for the Specifically, company. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Miss vulgaris, the, the common uh, Artemisia. Speaking of all the different ages that she shows up as, you do a wonderful job of including a lot of different ages of women at your conference. Can you talk to us about how you do that and what kinds of things you do for different age groups? Yes, and I'll start with the virtual conference um, because, you know, we all, we always do have a kids' camp and a teen camp and incorporate um, the youngster, young people into the events. And so as we were moving towards this virtual events, we were wondering how that was going to happen because it's very different. And so we do have a team spiral that's happening on Saturday. So they'll be meeting together in their own space, but also going out and attending workshops um, with some support. So we have a team spiral happening. And then uh, one of our uh, kids camp coordinators offered to do a plant walk called Mommy and Me Plant Walk. So she's going to do a plant walk for um, moms and kids or anyone, of course, through to uh, attend, but her daughter, who's been coming, and that will be done by Zoom. Yeah, how far out? <laughs> and so her daughter, who's been to the conference her whole life, she's four years old, is going to be part of the Mommy and Me Plant Walk. So it's kind of her debut as a four-year-old um, herbalist. <laughs> <laughs> So that's really fun. Um, And in general, we really encourage lots of different age groups, of course, to come to the conference. And like other events, women's events, we often line up by age when we're together in person. And it's always been so intriguing to me to see, you know, we'll have infants all the way up to women that are in their 80s, close to 90. I know at Mycelium Mysteries, I think our oldest attendee was 92, and she was one of our keynote speakers. So um, we, you know, always incorporate lots of different age groups. And I think it was three or four years ago we held... Uh, Saturday evening, our activity was a croning circle for the crones in the community. And not only did we have hold the ceremony, the teens made crowns for the elders and came and crowned the elders with their crowns that they made for them. And the kids came and sang to the elders. So it was just this beautiful ceremony that um, included everyone. Ah, oh, that just makes my heart smile and smile. Mm. Me too. And, you know, after we did that, Susan, it was so intriguing. People kept saying, can we do that every year? Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I just loved it so much. And I said, well, maybe every other year. So it's, so it's really <laughs> special. <laughs> 
Yes. Since the grandmothers have died, died, there are ceremonies that I miss that, that used to be held yearly. And somebody just got in touch with me about one of those, the Strawberry Moon, which is the girls coming as an age ceremony in June, which is called the Strawberry Moon Festival. And she said, she, she said, I'm going to do it. Grandmother came to me in a dream and gave me permission. I'm going to do a Strawberry Moon Festival. So next year, she's planning to do a Strawberry Moon. So I'm so glad to see these things coming back, and especially these things that mark our passage through the years that say, this chapter has ended. Now we go on to the next chapter, whatever that may be. These are so important for us. Yeah. So I was going to share with you that we, um, you know, we're a women's conference, and so boys come to the conference until they're 11, and then we ask them to step out. And I can't tell you, the first couple of years, I had boys coming up to me and saying, I can't come back next year, and they they would be sad, and they would, you know, come to me and look at me with this look in their eyes and I and it was heartbreaking and I finally realized that we were doing a disservice by not having a ceremony for them to help them transition yes. and so our kids camp got together and we designed a ceremony for them and the other boys to go into the woods they get to start a fire and tell stories and tell the fire for their last year at the conference. Oh, my and gosh. It was such a relief. I'm getting goosebumps. That's so wonderful. Because yes. Of what you're talking Mark, about the women. end of the cha- This chapter has ended. It's okay. We're, we've grown up. We can read chapter books. Yes. And the a thing is, chap- before that, they felt like we were kicking them out. Right. In, instead of us saying, we love you, and we're... You know, we're helping you transition into another phase of your life. Oh. And to feel supported as you transition, to know that you can move on to that new chapter and people still love you. Yeah. And it was a relief yeah. for me because I had been holding that, thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this is so sad. I, do, I didn't at first know what to do. And great when we talked about it and came up with you know, a plan to help them transition. And I think, you know, in general, that's so important, like you said, for all of us in different phases of our lives um, to have transitions and to acknowledge those transitions. And as, as you were talking about the ceremony, I was thinking how different it would have been for me as a teen if I had crowned my mother or my grandmother at her croning ceremony and knew that that lay ahead for me. Because mm-hmm. that's certainly not what I saw. What I saw was old women being pushed aside. Right? And the story, yeah. I mean, I heard you um, as you're ending the last um a call that came into the show tonight and talking about the story, at least that's what I heard, some of the story medicine in terms of what story do we learn or what story do we tell. 
And I know the conference has just been such a great opportunity for us as a village, the women who participate, to change the story. And, and that was an example of where I just feel really grateful that our collective hearts were able to come up with a different story for those boys and for ourselves. You've come up with several different stories. The Midwest Women's Herbal Conference grew very quickly during its first three years and filled up the camp. And you were faced with a very tough decision. Should you leave the space that you had very well in order to get a bigger space for more people or stay the size you were? And as I understand it, please correct me if I got it wrong, what you decided to do was to hold the size of the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference to that campsite and to spin off the Mycelium Mysteries so that there's a whole other conference. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, although, you know, as things happen, the story's a little more meandering than that. <laughs> Well, <laughs> one of the reasons I like it is is that I am a, a big proponent of stay small. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, we live in a culture which is grow, 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 bigger, 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 more, more, more. And to actually come to that point where you could get bigger and you say, that's okay, I'm staying here, that's fine. I'm going to get, I'm going to get wider, not bigger. And At least that's what I see economic, you doing. That's an economy. Like the way we think about economies and economics is there's a lot of pressure to grow. I mean, I even feel that in my, you know, my herbal business. I'm like, I don't want to get turned into a big business. That's not my, my interest. Um, and the intimacy of being able to be together at the conferences and keep it. I mean, it's still big. The, the herbal conference, when we meet in person, there are 400 women there. Um, but we are not going to, you know, that would be the size we would hold it. And then the mushroom conference, Mycelium Mysteries, which happens in the fall, we are um, the last in-person conference we held. There were 200 women there. So you're correct, we could have grown into one big herbal conference, but we did choose to, to split off and so, and have a different focus. The focus on the mushrooms, that's the meandering part. Like, why didn't we just do an herbal conference? Why did we go off in the direction of holding an, a mushroom conference? <laughs> <laughs> and because we herbalists, we like the mushrooms too, and they're, well, they're a whole different, as I say to people, you can trust the plants trust the mushrooms. Not that they were liars or anything, but if the plant says to you, want to have a good time, just remember, mushrooms live on death. Yes. And the relationship with them is, you know, it has to be, it definitely has to be different, but it's still so intriguing. So intriguing. So very intriguing. I started out with mushrooms, but I couldn't really bring myself to teach people about them because it terrified me that they would, in fact, eat the wrong one. Because even very experienced people have been known to eat the wrong one and die. Mm-hmm. You have to pay attention. So I decided, I 
I decided to teach people about nettle and straw and that I could, could sleep well at night. <laughs> uh, are there dependably lots of mushrooms there in your woods in the fall? Yes. And that is actually one of the meandering pieces about um, holding that event is we did a fall event for a different reason um, one year because we did do an herbal event in the fall six years ago. And that year we were in the woods and everywhere we went there was a mushroom. You couldn't walk in the woods without stepping on a mushroom. It was one of the (laughs) that. I remember that year. You literally could not take a step without stepping on a mushroom. I kid you not. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen years that are like that. Um, yep. And so that was the year that I came up with the idea to do a women's mushroom event. And it kind of coalesced for a couple reasons because I was talking to women and women said, oh, my gosh, I don't like mushrooms or I'm afraid of mushrooms or, you know, there was so much, there was also so much misinformation about mushrooms. And I thought, gosh, if we could gather and spend time with them and, you know, get more familiar, then we would probably have a different comfort level. And I'm not looking, you know, I wasn't looking for a comfort level of like, oh, let's, eat lots of mushrooms, but there's so many other things you can do with mushrooms than just eat them. I mean, you can dye um, fabrics with them. You can, um, you know, make, um, oh, people are doing like a remediation and making, um, you know, compostable packaging. I mean, there's so many things. Right, right. Mushrooms. mushrooms will eat just about anything. Mm-hmm. I just they saw the article. They found a mushroom that eats plastic. So I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it works in salt water. <laughs> yes, that would be that would be particularly um, magical. Mm. The other silver lining that I can think of in a virtual conference is. You don't have to worry about the size of the camp. Yes. We're That's talking true. about, you know, the herb, the herbal gathering got too big, was going to get too big, many more women wanted to come, da-da-da, what to do. But the virtual gathering, once you have a big enough platform, you can fill that platform, right? Yes. So, you know, so like- does that mean that if people... Women are sitting there saying, well, I, I, I want to come. I want to do all this. I want to do this virtually. I want to hear these people. I want to hear what Susan has to say and what Isla has to say and what this woman from India has to say. I want to hear all of this. Can they still register? They can, yes, at um, our website, which is MidwestWomensHerbal.com. And just like the in-person conference, there are pre-conference workshops that people can attend um, that are a deeper dive, and then there's the weekend, um, uh, you know, workshops that are um, an hour and a half long each, and there's, it's just the schedule is super full and packed, and um, yeah, so women can register, and we'd love to have them. And we're also having a big celebration on Saturday evening, which will culminate in African dancing. 
Wow. I believe I am going to be teaching on Saturday about story medicine, and I will be a part of that celebration on the Saturday night. And it's my plan to have Monica Jean and Justine here, too, and I'll be reading from Abundantly Well. Lovely. We're so excited to have you participate because you and Isla will be um, part of the celebration, too. The two of you were the first keynote speakers at the very first conference. That's right. I remember. It was so exciting. And one thing that um, was so fun about that, I'm sure you remember that the two of you did a plant walk together. Yes. And women still, I think you, I think you were focusing on trees, but if you weren't, you were talking about trees a lot because women still tell me about that walk and tell me about the trees they met on that walk. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, yes. So that makes my heart very glad. Mm. Gosh, Linda, as always, I could talk and talk and talk with you. We've hardly even begun to talk about all the things there are that I want to know. What's going on with the this and the that and the other and the thing and the that. But it's a blog talk show, and they're going to slam the door on us in very few minutes. So I want to ask you to just tell them again how to register for the conference. And then what do you want to leave in their hearts and their minds? So women can register for the conference at MidwestWomensHerbal.com. And one of the things I've been really sitting with as I look at our schedule for the conference, which has workshops on topics that are very diverse and very um, many different um, paths. And as I've been looking at that, I've been really wanting to – say to people in general and also anyone who's listening and anyone who doesn't, even if you don't come to the conference, but if you do, that we live in a world right now that seems divisive and the truth of the matter is we are all on this planet together and bringing all of our paths and our voices together is so important. So either come to the conference or find a place where you can share um, space with people and um, learn from each other because it feels so more important than ever to be together and sharing. The Midwest Women's Herbal.com. Yes. Linda reminds us to reach out to someone who seems different. The way to find out they're really the same as you is to reach across that difference. And that's, of course, one of the great things that happens at these conferences is that you get to be with people who share your love of plants and your fascination with herbal medicine and to find that perhaps the culture they come from or the life that they live is very different from yours. Um, but something that you could understand and and gain from. Linda, I don't know if you heard the very beginning of the show, where I talked about how uh, 
We tell the apprentices, and it's true, that we're happy with anything you do. Um, and that it's very, very special to have an apprentice who goes on to train other apprentices, to teach, to support the idea of herbal medicine as people's medicine, to support the wise woman tradition, and to hold a big conference in support of the wise woman tradition. And one of those very special apprentices is you, Linda Conroy. Mm. Thank you, Susan. I am so forever grateful to you as well, and I love you dearly. Love you lots. Herbal medicine is people's medicine. Yay, yay, yay. Green blessings and good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night.